0: Morning. All right. We're gonna put some tables and chairs out here real quick. And I have a friend who's gonna help me today. Would you uh please help to welcome my wife, Krista? <laughs> I uh sprung this on her at the last second. Hey, if um that was sounding like it was something maybe if there's something if we need to switch this out, just let me know. Okay, thanks. Okay, great, man. Thanks. All right, so... uh, ah, Thanks, Derek. Krista and I uh, write these messages, actually almost every message together, but definitely this series uh, we do together. And so I just, this morning, as of this morning, had said to her, you know what, I think actually I need you to sit up on stage with me and to help and that we go through this together in a conversation. And so she agreed to that, which was very kind of her uh, to do at the last moment. So... uh, Thank you very much You're welcome. for doing that. Uh, just a little bit of housekeeping before we jump, jump into this. Uh, smoking hot. First of all, uh, just to remind you, there's a prayer and fasting uh, tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow, all day. Prayer and fasting tomorrow for marriages and for divine matches. It's going to be at the church office. So at 7 o'clock. It's in your bulletin if you want to read about it. But I encourage you to come out uh, and to uh, think about praying and fast about that. Uh, second thing uh, is this, this is for mature audiences, so if you weren't here last week and you're just coming in and maybe your kid's with you in here, um, what we're going to go through is smoking hot. So what God's word really uh, speaks things. So if you're uncomfortable with that, you need you need to know that, okay? So uh, just want to let you know that. Finally, thank you for all the emails, and responses from last week, uh, the wives, sent in those responses about the, the kissing. I got uh, one, you'd have to know last week's message if you weren't here, but, you know, I encouraged uh, a lot of kissing to go on. And so I got one wife and she emailed and said, it was like on a Tuesday, she said, kissing has already gone through the roof. It's not even the midweek yet. And the kids have jumped in on the bandwagon too. And there's just <laughs> kissing everywhere. And she said, that works so well. Can you, can you please speak Sunday about a luxury kids-free vacation? And maybe that'll work. And I got another email from uh, somebody who said, you know, their significant other has actually picked up some bad habits over the past couple weeks. And you would have had to have been here for Easter Sunday to understand this. But she said, my uh, significant other now is telling me that he owns me. <laughs> I have to listen to Easter to figure that one out. He's calling me a horse. And he says he has a strong need to study the Old and the New Testament. So you'd also have to listen to last week's message to understand that one. All right. The homework that we're going to give you uh, for today—listen—you um, know, a little, employ a little discretion. All right. So last week at the picnic, I had to break a couple up. So you want to—you want to wait till you get home. <laughs> I and mean, the compliments you can do, but the other stuff, right? You want to wait to get home to start on that thing. So just want to remind you of that, please. Could be kids watching. All right. God has given us this incredible book, this book about romance. It's called The Song of Solomon. And romance and the physical intimacy and all the stuff that's going on in there, this is God's idea. It's God's idea. And he's given us this manual uh, to go by. So the the key verse for the entire book of The Song of Solomon, many people believe it's chapter 8, verse number 6. And I gave that to you on that blue bulletin. It's right there on the back if you want to take a look at it, or you can always find it in your Bible. Chapter 8, verse number 6 says... Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. One thing I want to say, and then we're going to pray. It takes two people to build this fire. It takes two people serving each other to build this fire. You know how last week we talked about we live in an increasing service society where people are used to being served you know, that we're going out to eat now like never before. We pay somebody to serve us so you know, restaurants are up like never before and cleaning services and you can have somebody deliver, you know, your groceries and do your laundry and they got pooper scoopers now out there who come and get your dogs mess up. I mean, we, that's the society we live in and yet marriage is all about us serving each other and we're not paying the other person to serve us. You know what I'm saying? So we have to serve each other and you have to really be a student Of the other person, you have to be a student of the other person to serve them. So this morning, this is very practical. It's not some kind of incredible rocket science here. God's word is tremendously practical here. We're going to go through. We're talking about three things for the guy. We're talking about three things for the girl that need to be done. All right? But sometimes the most practical things are overlooked. So let's pray, and we're going to jump right into it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Song of Solomon that talks about so much about romance. Lord, be with us this morning as we go through this information. Help us to learn. Help us to understand. Show us where we need to do a better job of both understanding and serving. For the glory of your kingdom, in Christ's name, amen. Proverbs 24 says, It is... By wisdom, a house is built, a marriage is built on wisdom, and it is through understanding that it is established. There are a lot of things that Krista and I have to learn about each other to make this work. We have to really get be like PhDs in each other, to be students of each other, to make this work. Here's the first thing, all right? So we're going to go, what sets him on fire, and then after we get that done, what sets her on fire? So there's going to be things that rub you the wrong way in here, and I just want to ask you to be patient, okay? We do that when we be patient, because... You might get mad, but then we're going to come around, right? So we're going to do him first. And you might get uh, a lady, you might get mad in here. A wife might get mad in here. And he says, Just be patient. It only take a few minutes, and we're going to get to you. Okay? All right. So set him on fire with rest. So the picture that is given here, chapter one, she's speaking, verse number twelve, is this. This is what it says. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. The word for table, there's actually a low-lying couch. It's this, that they would, this low, that they would kind of lounge back on. And they would use it for eating. And so the picture is, he's just gotten home from work. She is smelling good. She says, lay down on this couch and rest. And she is feeding him. And he is lounging. And he is relaxing. And she's smelling good. And she's being sensual. Whoa, can you imagine coming home to that every day? Now, the Bible's not suggesting that that happens every day. But what it's suggesting is that it happens some of the time. So when a guy, physically speaking, when a guy comes to his house, he looks at his home as a place of rest, not stress. How does a woman look at her home? Stressed. Stress. <laughs> Here are two major differences between the sexes. A woman looks at the home as a place of stress. The guy looks at the home as a place of rest. What's I to say about that?
1: Well, it, it's true. So we come home and we have all this work to do. There's there's the typical, you know, dinner, dishes, kids, laundry, blah, 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 blah. goes one and on. Hold that um, up. Hold that oh, up. Yeah. can you hear me? Yeah, there Is that, go. is that, that good? Okay, right. so, um, so again, the Bible isn't saying that we have this place of refuge or home um, that every day we can... Possibly create that atmosphere that is being described here, but there are times when we can and um, uh, this past Friday night I had when John got home from work, I had gotten home earlier and I had music on the house was clean I had dinner cooking and I was stressed. my stress level had actually because I was on top of my game was was pretty low so when John came home um, Instead of the usual to-do list, which is 50, th- you know, here, honey, help. Um, instead, uh, we ended up having some quiet time together, and uh, the kids fan- were quiet. It, yeah. it, was,
0: it was fantastic. This yeah. doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. This <laughs> is the benefits of reading the Song of Solomon together constantly. So <laughs> we,
1: uh... I'm learning.
0: <laughs> Here's the point. It's not that the husband doesn't have a lot to do in the house, but you'll find more often than not the husband will say, ah, let's just let it go. <laughs> let's just let it go. And the woman can't. So it's just that physically speaking, a husband comes home. He says, ah, this is my cave flying into the bat cave and I'm going to rest. And she's, oh, no, we're not coming to the bat cave. We're, this is, this is where the party is happening. We're going to work, 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 work. And there has to be a balance there. Now here's the thing, um, at the end of the day, a man's testosterone level is at its lowest. Now, why do you care about that? Why do you give a flip that his testosterone level is at its lowest? Here's why. You, maybe you've seen a man who's like incredibly loving and romantic and patient. He's just like, he's opening all up to him and or whatever. Or you've seen it on a, you actually experienced it yourself. You've seen it on a video or movie or something like that. You know why? Testosterone is flooding his system. And it causes a man to act all goofy like that. You you understand what I'm saying? So it's in your best interest, wife, to help him to rest so that can be restored and get back up to a healthy level. So every now and then, not all the time.
1: Not all the time.
0: (laughs) Not all the time. But this is a great surprise. A, I had no idea this was coming. It was a wonderful surprise when I got home the the other night, right? It's great, and it was. I was everything was calm. It's like, hey, let's just sit down and hang out together. That was awesome. It's absolutely awesome. So he needs to do that. Anything else we can say? Can we yeah, move good. on? We're good. We're good. Let's get off the guy. Yeah. Let's move on to the girl. <laughs> All right. So set her on fire with a verdant bed. With a verdant bed. What in the world does that mean? Etc. So this is what she says. She says in verse 16, how handsome you are. That's a great line that she says. How handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. First of all, you need to know this. He is supplying this. When she speaks of the bed, she's talking about the bedroom. All right? And he is supplying this bedroom. He is crafted because she's speaking. So you have created for us this bedroom. You've created this space, and it's verdant. What does that mean, it's verdant? It means it's, it's, it's green. It's natural. It's luxurious. It's peaceful. It's tranquil. Think about this, everybody, for just a second. All right? What are our beds like? What's your bed, right? Like, what's your bedroom like? Is it tranquil? Is it peaceful? Is it natural, or is it artificial? Is it highly stimulated? Right? What I mean by this is, do you have a TV in your room? Do you go to bed with your iPhone? Like, do you sleep like your iPhone is your little baby, and you go to sleep it. <laughs> caressing the iphone caressing your laptop or your ipad do you do that okay he created a place that was stress-free we don't have verdant beds we have high-tech beds in our homes there right there's so much stress and here's the problem with that so the one of the books that i gave you on your suggested reading list talks about women this way like computers so a woman's like a computer, and she has all these windows. You know, like the windows at the bottom of your computer screen? She got, she's running 20 windows at the same time. It just rolling. What's the husband? What's the man like? He's got one window open. Yeah, one window running. So he has to create this place because she's got so many things going on in her mind. He's got to create a place that's peaceful and tranquil. So I told Krista, and this, I said this past week, I said, look, we need to have a conversation. I didn't just say, hey, we're doing this. Have a conversation. Would it be okay If we got rid of the TV in our room, can we create a place? Would it be okay if we no longer bring our laptops and our iPhones to our bedroom? Can we create, because she's saying he's created a refuge. He's created a spot where it's just about the two of us, right? Some of us don't even sleep in the same beds anymore. For a variety of reasons. Oh, he stays up late or she stays up late or whatever. And it's asleep and I don't want to wake him up. Or there's a snoring problem or maybe you need to get help with that. You know, what, what, okay, there's things we can do. This is really important. All right, I've talked so much.
1: Just to add to this, um, after we had our second child, I realized that I don't have any place in my whole home that's just for me and, and for John and I. And... I demanded to have my bed back. Um, the kids are always jumping in the bed, and it's fun to cuddle and watch cartoons with our kids in our bed. But there comes a time in the evening where I needed this square piece of furniture just for us. This is one little place, this little creation of refuge for my life that would help immensely um, in our marriage. And, and it was, this was just one little thing that was set apart that was just for my husband and for me.
0: This seems really simple. This is so very important. I talked about John Gottman last week, this guy who's become so famous because uh, he takes a scientific approach to marriage. And he talks about the same thing that the Bible is telling us, that we need to create a bedroom that is a safe refuge, where it is calm. And so he says, you know what, practical stuff like this, you, you need to do these kind of things and create this kind of space so it's calm and it's peaceful and it's quiet where the two of you can find a refuge together. He says this about stress. He said, stress causes an emotional distance between a husband and a wife, and it absolutely kills romance.
1: And, and we have a need, especially I do, every single day. I want to reconnect with John. I don't want days and days to go by because I'm, you know, life is so busy, and it will always be busy, And it's, you know, your priorities are what you decide to make them. And so reconnecting, that's the one place where you reconnect. That's the place where we can talk and talk about our day and talk about the kids. But we have to have that.
0: It's a place just for the two of us. So kids are important. One of the big shifts that we've seen in America about marriages is marriages used to be about a husband and wife. They were the priority. Today, marriages, it's more about kids. Kids have taken that seat of honor away and that's dangerous. And so a lot of times, the kids are like, they're just piling up in, in the bed. Sometimes you even got a husband or a wife that they're no longer in the bed because the kids are in the bed. Uh, this is a problem. So it needs to be, that room needs to be about a husband and wife. Here's the next thing. you got your iPhone and you've got your laptop and you've got your TV and you've got your iPad and all that stuff. You, you've got all the stress of the neighborhood, you've got all the crime going on in your world and the wars that are breaking up, you've got all your friends, you've got all your coworkers, and they're all piled up in the bed with you. You're just like one big happy family all piled there together, and we wonder why the, where the passion is gone. This is so simple, but it needs to be about just two of you. So uh, here's part of the homework. Husband, very gently, patiently, you know, you want to say to your wife, could we talk about, Could we talk about getting rid of the TV and can we talk about getting rid of all the other stress that we find in our bedrooms? Can we talk about getting rid of the laptops and things like that? So it's a good thing to think about. Um, Stress is a gigantic fire extinguisher. I mean, it just puts, puts the fire and passion out. You have to reduce the stress. You have to slow down and simplify. All right, let's move on. Set him on fire with success. He needs to feel Successful. She says this in verse thirteen. She says, "My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh, resting between my breasts." What is she saying? Well, a woman would go to bed with a leather pouch of perfume and would hang around her neck. And she'd go to bed; she'd have this pouch of perfume hanging there. And why would she have it? Well, it made her smell good. But also, what it would do is she felt attractive. She felt lovely. She 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 just felt wonderful and beautiful. And what she's saying here is, is that. This man, this husband, is, she's attributing all of that to him. That he is helping her feel that way. He's, she, so he feels successful because of that. She's saying, you do this for me. Far too often in our world, a husband goes to work. He'll get pats on the back. He'll get the attaboys at work. You're doing a great job. He comes home and he feels like an absolute klutz. Wrong again. You screwed up again. What's wrong with you? Why did you get that wrong? You said the wrong thing. You did the wrong thing. Why can't you see what I need? And so you have to be very careful. What you want to do as a wife is you want to set them up for success. He does not think like you. Women in their conversations are hinters. Hinters. Men are hunters in conversation. Say it plainly. The crystal will say to me, say, hey, what are you doing today? And I think she's asking me, what am I doing today? I'll say, well, I'm doing this, this, and this. And she'll say, what are you doing today? What is she hinting at? She's hinting at is, where do I fit in your life today? You know what would be helpful? If she just said to me, where do I fit in your life today? Okay? I don't want to say that men are stupid. We're not stupid, but we're talking on two different planes. So, wives, you want to make it really plain. You want something from your husband. Set him up for success. Coach him up. Train him and speak very plainly to him. In addition. Yes. um, The rebuttal.
1: The rebuttal. No, 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 no. This is not the rebuttal. This is actually um, being really careful of our words that we speak. Um, We have a choice. Um, Even James tells us that our tongues uh, can set a a forest fire. We need to speak words of affirmation to our husbands. um, um, Just as John was describing. So we confirm him. We cheer him on. We're his cheerleaders. uh, They're cheerleaders um, by, by... Uh, are words that we speak. So um, often I tell my children, let your words be a blessing. Let your words be a blessing. Let your words be... Well, I have to do that also. I have to be very intentional about doing that in my relationship with John Um, because when I'm stressed, out come words that are ugly, out come words that tear him down and they don't build him up. So it's something I have to be very intentional about.
0: So when you say something, you outline it clear for him to do, and he does it, Okay. Maybe he doesn't do it that well. Maybe he does it great. Whatever. You need to praise him for that. You need to cheer him on with that. He needs to feel successful at home. He needs to feel successful at home, right? So you need to cheer him on it. Who thought up a cheerleader? Do you think a bunch of women got in a room together and said, let's get pom-poms and short skirts and let's go cheer men on? (laughs) Sounds like a great idea, Emily. Let's do it. No. Guys got together. We want to be cheered on by you, and so cheer. cheer you, guy does something right, cheer him on, praise him. These guys are complimenting each other constantly. Remember, we talked about the importance of compliments last week. It's critically important to lift up, and she lifts him up, and she encourages him, and he feels successful. So,
1: if you want that positive behavior repeated, you have to compliment them. Um, so, for instance, John, John. Every once in a while, he makes the bed for me. I walk into my bedroom, and the bed's made. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that is, you I'm know an me.
0: awesome <laughs> husband. Yeah. I,
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but so I compliment him. Wow, that was so special for me to walk in and see that you. I mean, and we, he, he, we share the workload around our house.
0: Baby steps. Baby, Baby steps. steps.
1: But, but, but it's a big step. Yes. So I have to compliment him if I want, I want that action repeated. So
0: it's very important that a husband feels successful at home. Now, I want to give you one more thing and move on to the next point. This is going to seem a little odd, but it's true, and I would encourage you to get off of your reading list the John Gray book uh, about why Mars and Venus collide. It's all about stress. Very important. You know what helps your husband feel successful? This is going to be wacky. Some of you have heard me say it before. When you pamper yourself, wife, when you pamper yourself, when you are rested and you're feeling good and you're eating right and you're sleeping right and you're resting right and maybe even you're taking a nap, and you go to the gym, or you go to the salon, you get your hair done, and your nails done, and you're feeling good, and you're looking good, because you're taking care of yourself, because you're pampering yourself. This is the craziest thing. The husband looks at you and says, I am successful. (laughs) He takes credit. Now, he might have only attributed 2% to that whole equation, but he takes credit for everything, and he feels awesome. You pamper yourself. He's feeling good. That's like a win-win situation. You want to make sure you do that. Let's let's move on. Let's All right, set her on fire with protection very important to protect her and so there's some things set up here she so he's speaking in verse 15 of chapter. He says, catch for us the foxes the little foxes that ruin the vineyards our vineyards that are in full bloom what are those foxes that ruin the vineyard? a lot of times the foxes are the, all the little things you notice how it says the little foxes it's the little things that just nip away nip away nip away at the relationship that you need to protect her from so what would those little things be krista that nip away at the relationship?
1: Uh, well, definitely stress is one of them. We've already talked about that. Um, but for me, it was really important when we first got married. Um, our first couple years uh, of marriage were, were tough. Um, we went through an adjustment period. We were young. Um, but we knew, we knew we loved each other. So um, we hung in there and, and kept praying. And uh, one of the things, though, I needed to find out is, am I number one in your life? And uh, so we went one time to a marriage counselor, um, and only he took once. Only Which took once. Which no, studies. no, no, no. We, no, we continue to, to try to be students of one another. What? Go ahead. No. Go ahead. No. So. You're on a roll. No, so so um, he said, uh, John, Kristen needs to find out that she's number one in your life, um, not for egotistical reasons, but because I was important enough for John to to pursue me, and um, so he did. And uh, he, sp- he spent more time with me and started showing me that. So what ended up happening is my confidence level, my security level, began to grow enormously. So after a couple years of marriage, I felt so secure. I felt that John was loving me unconditionally. I felt that this covenant of marriage is a, is a true thing. I, my trust level sh- through the roof. But it, it, took, it took time. I think that's it.
0: Yeah um so when we got married uh i played basketball and that was a really big thing in my life and krista felt like she was in competition with basketball and some guys take the viewpoint of you know when you know there might be complaining oh you know whatever there's frustration that hey that's her problem that's her problem it's not her problem it's my problem that's what the bible says we're talking about it in a few weeks when we're talking about it, what it means that the husband is the head of the wife now wives you might hear that husband's head of the wife you bristle uh, when we get to this and we talk about this you're not gonna bristle you're gonna say yes that's awesome you're gonna say that because we have a total misunderstanding of what that means but the responsibility man is in your court if she doesn't feel number one but i challenge you men you go home husband you go home today and you look your wife in the eye and say are you number one in my? do you feel like you are number one the most valuable thing in my life okay ask her that question that is so important that she feels that she's number 1 and for years that was my fault and i had some, i had some adjusting to do it's important what i say it's important what i do she must know that just behind god she's the most valuable thing now i'm going to give you five words that will set her passion on fire right five words ready husband how can i help you With the many things going on in your wife's life around the home and at work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you gotta say it and you actually gotta mean it. This can't say, how can I help you? Gosh, I hope she says nothing. You gotta (laughs) say it, you gotta mean it. You gotta serve her, you gotta protect her from the many things. Because remember, all the window screens are open, so she takes on way too much. Guys, they're doing one thing, right? She's doing 20 things at once. You gotta protect her by saying, how can I help you? How can I serve you? Alright.
1: Oh the only the one other thing I meant to mention is that when a woman feels secure, she can give more. She can give more to her husband. She gives more to the relationship. So it's really important. The higher the security, the more she gives.
0: When I do when I do premarital counseling sessions, I say there's two books that are valuable in your life that you absolutely have to have. You have to have the Bible, and you have to have your calendar. Because you've got to plan in your calendar. Times where it's just going to be the two of you. You have to live by that calendar. You've got to let her know, protect her, say, hey, well, I think maybe we're doing too much here. We need, to, we need to put us time in there together. We need to put time for us, for dates. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. She says one other thing, then I'm going to move on to the next point. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4. She says this. She says, He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Some of you have been in church a long time, and you remember singing a song, his banner over me is love. And maybe you had no idea. It came from the Song of Solomon. And it came in the middle of a tremendous moment of heat and passion. Like the verses that are before and after that verse, I won't even read to you here. Like I read them out loud this past week at home, and our curtains caught on fire, right? (laughs) I can't even read. You're going to read that. You're going to read this and say, oh, my gosh. Is the Bible saying what I think it is? Actually, it is. It's saying just what you think, and it is smoking, smoking hot. So let me tell you what this means. His banner, that's like a flag. So a country flies a flag, and for all of its citizens, you are safe. She's saying his banner over me. He protects me. I know I'm completely safe. Over me is love. It's the same word that's used for covenantal love, God's love for us, where God says to us, even when you make a mistake, even when you blow it, even when you don't feel great, even when things go completely wrong, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's like the vows we take in marriage for better, for worse. As a wife, do you feel that way? Do you feel total security? She's saying, I feel total security, absolutely secure. Fully having that trust. You have to husband, you have to ask your wife that way. Have I created an environment where you feel absolutely secure? Because when a wife, a woman, feels absolutely secure, then she can open up. Then she can open up to passion. But if she doesn't feel that, she can't open up to that. Does that make sense? Perfect. Perfect. Okay. All right. Now let me say one thing and we'll move on here. Matthew Henry, who is a, a Bible scholar, he's passed away years ago. He was writing, commentating about Genesis where Eve was created out of, out of the rib, side. You might recall that, Genesis chapter 2. So uh, it says she wasn't created out of a bone out of his foot so that she would be trampled upon. She wasn't created out of a bone out of his scalp so that she might dominate him. She was created out of a rib from his side so that she could be his partner, underneath his arm so that she could be protected by him, near his heart so that she could be his lover. I thought that was a beautiful way to put that. Okay. All right. Uh, this, this next portion here is a little bit difficult, so bear with us. Set him on fire with smoking hot loving. Um, you read through this song, everybody. She's totally the aggressor. And I'm talking about physical, sensual intimacy. She clearly is the aggressor, both verbally and physically. She's clearly the aggressor here. Uh, All throughout the song, definitely here. Look what she says in verse number 5, chapter 2. And I won't even read you the other things that she says to him, all right? She says this, sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. She's talking about something very, very sensual here. She's basically saying, I've got a fever fever. And you, my friend, are the only cure. It's exactly what she is saying. She is going to him and saying, I need you, and I need you in a certain way. She is doing and she is saying all the right things, and she is pursuing him in a very specific way and he is the happiest man on the planet as a result of it she says in verse 14 of chapter one just my beloved is a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of engedi here's what you need to know about engedi engedi is an oasis in the middle of israel Israel's a desert basically everybody and engedi was an oasis a place where there's a natural spring of water which has very erotic overtones to it in scriptures so uh she's saying this our union our physical intimacy is like in getty it's like an oasis this oasis was a place of restoration of renewal and of strength so she's saying that he is being restored it's like it's like when you go on vacation and all of a sudden you go on vacation get away from all the stress and strain and you got a husband wife going You coming back the guy's got a whole new perspective on life and this is what's being said here he gains a whole new perspective and getty was the place that david chose as his stronghold His stronghold, everybody, when when King Saul was chasing him down to kill him. So she's saying he feels strong and confident because what she's doing, what her pursuit of him, what she's bringing to the table. That's quite powerful. Hebrews 13 says, honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy. She is saying and she is doing all the right things. I want to read something and then we're we're going to move on from here. But this is so out of the kind of zone for, for, for most women to think this way. But this, this, is, this is what she understands, and this is how she serves her husband. So I want to read you a story about a guy. And I want you to think as a wife, as I read this, how would you react? All right, this guy is really going through a tough time. He's out of work. He's out, out of work. He says, I'd been out of work for a year. This is from the Dillo book that's on your reading list. I've been out of work for a year, and I felt like I could not go on. He says, do you know how hard it is to be able to provide for your family, to put yourself out there day after day and hear the same words, sorry, we can't use you? One day I walked into our house after being rejected yet again, and Tori, his wife, greeted him. And when she saw the look on my face, she, and I'm going to stop right there, How would you react if your husband had been out of work for quite some time and had been rejected job after job after job, and you knew the bills were due, and you're looking at him, and he's walked in, and he's got this depressed look on his face? What do you think in that moment you should do? Think about that. Hold the thought. Here's what she does. She greets me, and when she saw the look on my face, she didn't ask the humiliating details. Instead, she said in a very bossy voice, well, Mr. I've got a job for you, and the benefits are great. I want you to make love to me right now. So I did, there on the living room floor. And afterwards, listen to this. Afterwards, as I lay in her arms, relaxed, refreshed, I knew that I could go on. Tori's love renewed me and strengthened me and filled me with resolve. I would go to the ends of the earth for this woman. That is a very unnatural. I I bet most women, most wives in this room would never thought, oh, really? I bet your first thought would be, I should hold him and we should cry together. (laughs) Or I should say, I'm so sorry. How does that make you feel? He doesn't need that. If you got every man in this room, I want you to be honest with me. What reaction do you want? Okay? A lot of guys, oh, no, no, that's really carnal. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, this is the way This is the way they feel because they come to me privately and tell me that. That's how I know. <laughs> so what's important here is they're both meeting each other's needs. They've, under, they've studied each other. They've learned. They're servants. They have servants' heart in the meeting. All right, so we're done with that, right? Now, let's go to what she needs. Because what's really interesting is she is doing all the physical intimacy pursuit. He's not. He's pursuing her, but he's not pursuing, hey baby, give me a piece. He's not doing any of that. Isn't that interesting? Because she doesn't need that. What does she need? let check it out. Set her on fire with smoke and hot pursuit. And we'll get a lot of input from Do you want to say anything about the last point at all? Do you want to chime in or is it too dangerous?
1: It's dangerous. <laughs> the only thing I'll add is... Women, uh, wives, this is a gift that we can give to our husbands, and it is so powerful. If it hasn't been described enough in this reading, it is very powerful. And uh, you know what? God gave it to us.
0: That's power. Man. Okay. It would be nice to have all that power. Um, So set her on fire with smoke and hot pursuit. So she says this. Listen to this. Listen, listen, my beloved, speaking of him, look, here he comes Leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. Why is he doing that? Why She's getting to tell you why he's doing that. He's leaping and bounding so he can come to get a piece. No, he's not. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall. He's, he's come from the city out to where she lives. They're not married yet. And he's come to her house. He's just got to catch a glimpse of her because he loves her so much. He's bounding across mountains and hills. He's like a. Young, there he stands behind the wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke. What did he say? He said, "Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. Show me your face. Ah, huh. let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely." What is he doing, guys? I need you. I love you. You're everything. He's not pawing on her. He's not saying, come on, let's jump in bed. He's saying, baby, your voice, your face, I live for it. There's no mountain high enough. There's no hill that's going to stand in my way. There is no obstacle. I am going to get to you. I am going to pursue you because I am enraptured with you. I've got to hear your voice. I've got to see your face. She must be pursued. So the day you die, she's got to know that you are pursuing her because you find her lovely. You find her exquisite. exquisite, You find her charming. You must pursue. She needs that. That's how, you, that's how you love her. That's how you set her passion on fire. Would you like to say something?
1: So modern day, John doesn't leap over mountains and hills for me. But things he does, things that I need... Um, I need him to take me by the hand. And say, "Let's go for a walk." I need some quality time with you. It's date night. Date night. Date night. Plan date, the date night. Yeah, plan the date. A bed and breakfast is awesome. That's bonus points. Um,
0: Never let your wife say, "Hey, let's go on a date." No, no. Always, husband beat her to the punch all the time. All the time. Let's go on a date.
1: Oh yeah, that, that's that's incredible. Because you continue to feel like you're being pursued. Something that we do. I love when I love John chases me, chases me around the house. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's
0: a little, it's a little embarrassing.
1: <laughs> but I love it because he's pursuing me. Yeah.
0: Let's not share
1: too much. <laughs> <laughs> Next page. <Yeah. laughs> um, oh, little things like texting me halfway through the day. I'm thinking about you, baby or uh, an email um,
0: love you i love you you're gorgeous
1: why did she talk yeah yeah
0: <laughs> it, it is it's planning the date taking the initiative pursuing planning the date writing a card sending a text message saying i love you complimenting and,
1: and these can be free things these like i said walk. Yeah, um, a walk let's go on a picnic let's go on a picnic let's go to the park and have a picnic peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that's totally cool it's that uh, he's pursuing me
0: you, you, you don't here's the way a guy's brain works he does one big thing has a big blowout of money and says Woo-hoo, man you must feel like the most loved one in the world you know the guy that came uh that spoke on the shack name paul young Paul Young. yes uh we had dinner with him the night before he said here's the thing every husband he's learned everything counts as one point doesn't matter if you spend a million dollars or you spend one dollar everything counts husband is one point so get overthinking that you have to spend a lot of money you know, I, I make as many points, I make as many deposits in Krista's Love Bank by saying, let's go sit out on a bench together and just talk, the two of us, and I let me just stare in your beautiful face. That gives me as much points as buying a diamond ring, right? Not quite.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's like, talk later.
0: Like, clo- close. Close. So you want to pr- pursue, you want to keep pursuing, you want to you do that. Have we made that clear enough? Guys, you've got to pursue. You've got to pursue. Don't come around saying, you know, she's not this or that. You must pursue, and she must know it. This is your job. Do your job, and do it with all your heart. Pursue her constantly. Uh, Let me say one thing, and then I want to say something to the singles, and then we're done. Because I know we're already at their limit. I'm sorry, it's 12 o'clock. We're going to go six or seven minutes late just to prepare you now for that. Uh, you can do this on your own this is information that the bible says this is information that marriage books come right around to the bible and say yep 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 the bible's right this simple practical stuff yep it works bible's powerful everybody the bible said it years ago it is powerful and it works and we can do it on our own we, our own willpower, our own knowledge our own understanding we can bring it or you could do this you say god now i know this and i need your help that's what i do If you have never accepted Jesus Christ, here's the evangelism piece. If you've never accepted Christ, the ultimate servant to help you so that you're just not doing this on your own power, but with the supernatural power of God, why wouldn't you want to do that? I need that. I'm not a great servant. I'm not a great husband. I go to God. I got this knowledge that God, please help me. Help me to love my wife the way she deserves to be loved she's an awesome wife. Awesome. I don't tell her that enough. I said, God, help me to communicate that to her. Help me. I need your help. You want to have God a part of your life with that.
1: I don't think there's a day that goes by that I don't pray and ask the Lord to help me to be the best wife I can be. Um, And and yeah, servanthood, serving doesn't come naturally. It's hard, especially in this world that we live in. It's quite the opposite. But the more I serve, the more I feel I'm closer to God and to my husband. Um, and, And lastly... I will say this, the closer John is in his relationship with Christ, the closer he gets to, to Christ, the more wonderful he becomes to me.
0: So the Bible says, husbands, it says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. You think I can do that on my own? I, I need to go to Jesus and say, show me how you love the church, your bride, the church. Show me where, where that pow- give me that power where that's coming from. I need, I need, I need your help, Okay. Now, I want to speak just really quickly to singles, all right? Um, Okay. Single man first. Single man, right? So if you fell asleep, single man, if anybody sees a single man in the room, throw something at him, wake him up real quick, okay? Single man, just a second, all right, single man? Pursue a woman of God. I'm going to be short and to the point because that's what guys tell me. Just give it to us straight. I'm going to give it to you straight. You will never become the man God has created you to be without a woman of God in your life. And I don't know how almighty God can say this any clearer than he does in Genesis 2.18. And he says, it is not good for this single man by the name of Adam. It is not good that this guy is alone. I've said this. And I'll say it over and over again. When you get men left alone, what they do is they get together and they produce movies like Jackass the movie. We do stupid <laughs> stuff. We, we do stupid stuff. Women grow us up. They do. You mature us, all right? We, men, single men tend to be little boys. We do. I'm a man, all right? We, that's who I was. okay? We need a woman of God. You don't need a date, single guy. You don't need a date. You, you, you don't need to be going after the hottest chick that you can find. What you need to go after is a woman of God. That's what you need in your life. I can't say that any stronger than what I just did. Proverbs eighteen twenty-two, single man says... He who finds a wife, what's it telling you? He says, you need to go out and pursue a wife. That's what it's telling us. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from God. You want the favor of God on your life? You want him to obtain it? Get off of your butt. Get off of your butt. And you go out and you find a woman of God. This is what you need to do. All right? Would anybody say amen to that? Amen. Thank you very much. All right. Now, there is a warning here. I want to talk to single women for a minute. There is a warning here in the midst of the past. I mean, it's like smoking hot passion as you begin chapter 2. It's unbelievable. The heat is up so high, it is unbelievable. And in verse 7, all of a sudden, she takes a time out. She's speaking. She says, whoa, wait a minute. I want to speak to all the single ladies. This is what she does. She says, young women of Jerusalem. So she's saying, single ladies who live in Jerusalem, single ladies who live in the world. I want to speak to you for a second. Swear to me by the gazelles or by the does. I don't have time to explain that. She's just saying this is really important. All right. That you will not awaken love or arouse love before it's proper time. She's saying in the midst of all this physical intimacy, she's saying there is a timetable that this stuff operates on and you you disrupt all of nature if you awaken it before it's time. This is what she's saying. So please... Write this down. Single woman, stop pursuing men and don't dare give them any sex. Stop pursuing men and don't dare give them any sex. Men's brains are not wired. When you give them sex, it sends a whole other message to their brain. I don't care what they say to you. You're going to have a single man say, no, John's a liar what he's talking about. No, I, I'm telling you, because I talk to him in the locker room. I know exactly what I'm talking about. So I have been honing my skills, single lady. I've been honing my skills for the past decade at getting single men to open up to me. Sometimes it takes alcohol or drugs, but I've learned, <laughs> I've, 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 learned how to, I've learned how to get them to open up to me. And I just pull them alongside of me like a friend, and I say to them, just very, hey, you know, just so tell me about this. Let's talk about marriage for a minute. Why aren't you getting married? Like, are you just not into marriage? And they'll look and they'll say, no, that's not really it. And I say, well, have, says, you haven't found the right one? And I say, that's not it either. Are you just, you know, fearful of commitment? That's not it. Then they look around. I want to tell you what it really is, John. If they stopped giving us sex, I'd be married in a minute. If they stopped giving us sex, Every jewelry store in Washington, D.C., they would break the windows down. They'd break the doors. You wouldn't be able to find an engagement. Hey, I'm telling you what the single guy is telling me. Now, they're not going to tell you this, okay? They privately shared it with me, and I told them I wouldn't tell anybody else. (laughs) But the people who come to church and the people who maybe listen on the podcast, all right? So this is what they say. They say, if they stopped, it would just create this time. And you know what else they say? They say, if she keeps me guessing. They say, women are throwing themselves at men too much. They're just like, oh, yes, I'm really into you. No, 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 no. They say, we want a woman who we have no idea. We want to be some mystery there. We want there to be some challenge there. I know, I know a guy, and I've seen this with a lot of guys, but I know a guy. He's had... Girls throwing themselves at him in every which way possible for years, and he finally he finally came across this girl. She didn't she shut him down sexually. That ain't happening. And she he kept she kept him guessing all the time. He didn't know does she really like me? Does it? And this guy who's had every girl, you know what? It he's married. Makes a big difference. Now you might say, now John, this is where the Bible is outdated. Because, you know, we love each other and we're getting married and we're consenting adults and it's all cool. And he tells me it's all cool and he's going to respect me in the morning. I'm telling you. If you don't believe the Bible, at least believe the wisdom of popular culture. We, we went to her last week for wisdom. Let's go again. All right. If you want it, then you better do what? You better put. So let's just Beyonce. <laughs> It doesn't get more wise than that, right? All the wisdom you need, you can find right on your radio station. If you want it, then you better put a ring on it. Everything would... Is there anything we can... Amen. Okay. All right. Uh, Wow. Thanks for staying a little bit uh, later today. Um, I hope that was understandable. I want to say that everything that we said this morning is not set in a way to hurt or to offend or to be too uh, graphic. What's in Krista and ours' heart, we talk to a lot of couples and a lot of singles. I just want you to know that. And the cry of your heart weighs heavy on us. I want you to know that. I want you to know that when we talk to couples whose marriages are busting, it... it we feel the heaviness, and we talk to couples or singles who really are hurting. They want to be married. It weighs that Everything that we've said, we're, we're simply from God's word only trying to help, and it's very practical. And I hope that you'll take it that way. Um, I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and uh, help us to learn from it. Father, I want to ask that you bless every single marriage in this room. I want to ask that you would bless, that your face would shine upon every marriage, and you'd be gracious to every marriage. Father, for every person here who it's the longing of their heart to find a man or woman of God, almighty God, as you made the first divine match with Adam and Eve, make a whole slew of more divine matches for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We're not going to have a closing song. God bless. Have a great day.